I want to just start this morning by reading some scripture to you for my sermon that uh, just kind of the basis for uh, Christmas and uh, it's just a great story that sometimes at Christmas we don't always read. We usually read the, the uh, Christmas story from Luke, but uh, this is from Matthew chapter 2 verses 1 through 11. It says, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and Jerusalem and all of Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked him where the Messiah was to be born in Bethlehem of Judea. They replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will, be, who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi, Magi are the wise men, secretly and found out from the, them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully, carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star that they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it uh, stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they, uh-oh, then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. I just heard my phone ting. <laughs> Thank God it didn't ring. <laughs> Anyway, go to your phones and tell them how awesome it is to be at Salem Field today. Check in. Okay, let's check in right now. Everybody get your phone out. I'm going to check in too. And that's why I had it ding. I wanted to remind myself <laughs> that that is a lie. <laughs> uh, yeah, just tell them how awesome I am. And uh, they're, they're really missing out not being here. Anyway, phew, glad I caught that. You know, I read a story about three six-year-old boys uh, who were playing the wise men in their church Christmas program. How many of you have ever been in one of those little children's Christmas programs? Yep. How many of you ever were, da how many of you were David? <laughs> Nobody has ever David? How about Mary? Any Marys in here? Well, I've got a few Marys. <laughs> uh, wow, I always wanted to be David, and I was always the shepherd. I never even made a wise man. I was always... The shepherd. But anyway, they were having those little plays. They're kind of cute, aren't they? Um, but they, as, uh, as they came up, as the wise men came up to Mary and Joseph at the stable, the first one handed over a present and said gold. The second presented his gift and said myrrh. The third one then gave them his treasure and said, and Frank sent this. <laughs> how many of you have started your Christmas shopping? No, how many haven't started your Christmas shopping? Wow, that is so good. I am so proud of you. We haven't either. Uh, we got 20 days or something, right? Or 20, 19, 19, yeah, 18, plenty of time. Yeah, waiting on the sales. Uh, but uh, how many of you have completely finished your Christmas shopping? Wrapped and everything. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, and you finished, right? I don't know how you finished because you haven't gotten my gifts yet because I haven't given you my list. But anyway, you know, uh, Here's a story about an unusual present. A husband was thrilled, or wasn't too thrilled, 
he wasn't thrilled at all when he received a burial plot from his wife as a Christmas present. <laughs> How many of you bought your husband a burial plot this year? Anyway, he, uh, he was even more disappointed the next year when he got nothing. He received nothing from his wife. And he said, my feelings are hurt because you didn't get me anything for Christmas this year. And she said, listen, my feelings were hurt all year because you didn't use what I gave you last year. <laughs> well, we are starting a new series today, All I Want for Christmas. And uh, probably uh, when you say that, All I Want for Christmas, maybe most of you have this one, this one thing in mind that you want for Christmas. Over the next three weeks of Advent, we're going to, uh, uh, we will need, I think we need to be in a chaotic, mystic, or uh, stressful time that we're in, we need to be reminded that God wants to give us what we and others desperately need in our lives, and what we really, deep in our hearts, what we really long for. Now, for many, uh, uh, Christmas has become a season of stress and consumption and and, and many people just live disappointed during the holiday season. And that's part of Christmas for many people. But your kids have probably already shared with you the list of presents they want for Christmas this year. I mean, they know what they want. And they probably have made their list and had checked it twice and done all that. After all, this is the season, the season of presents. You know, and, and, and presents we buy. Uh, Gallup, latest measure of American Christmas spending, finds that uh, U.S. adults projecting that they will spend an average of $720 on presents this year. $720. Now, that's the average. So, I thought I turned that thing off. I just, y'all don't ding me right now because I got to get this done. <laughs> okay. Some people spend nothing. How many of you spend nothing on Christmas? So that tells you, 720 is kind of high because some of you are going to spend a lot more than $720. But that's the average, and that's slightly higher than last year's spending. Now, now I know that most of us like to give and get presents. And as parents, uh, we want to please our children, so we buy and we buy and we buy and, then we, and we charge and we charge and we charge. And then comes January and we stress and we stress and we stress on how we're going to pay for all those Christmas presents that we pay. But you know, I was thinking about our scripture today, and, and as I was thinking and planning this message, and, and I thought about that where it said then they, uh, that the uh, wise men showed up at the house. They saw the child with his mother Mary. They bowed down, and they worshiped him, and then they opened tre their treasures, and they presented him with gifts. And as I was thinking about that and thinking about the Lord and, and thinking about that Christmas, I wonder if God was more excited about the fact that they brought presents or maybe he was more pleased because of their presence there, that they showed up and that they came and they bowed down and worshiped him. They, they brought gifts, certainly, but I, I wonder if the Lord was more pleased with their presence than he was with their gifts. Now, kids, I just want you to relax, okay? I'm not trying to convince your parents in this message not to get you any presents this year. That's not, that's not my goal, okay? So you can relax if you're in here. But what, but what I want to communicate today is that our presence 
P-R-E-S-E-N-C-E, I had to look at that because I couldn't spell it without looking at it, <laughs> is more important than our presence. You see, we, we can give our children, our family, our, co- our friends, our co-workers lots of different kinds of presents for Christmas. But nothing will compare with our presence. Let me share with you today how we can, how we can present to our family, we can share with our family and friends a presence that will make all the difference in their life. First and foremost, we can give them the presence of Jesus. We can give them the presence of Jesus. There was a story about a little girl who came home from Sunday school and she was proud that she had memorized her very first Bible verse. And so she was excitedly excited about sharing it with her families and she quoted John 3:16 and here's how she quoted it. She quoted it this way, for God so loved the world that he gave his only forgotten son. Now, you know, the, the King James says begotten son. She quoted it as saying his forgotten son. You know, and, and I wonder when God looks at us, when he looks at that celebration that we have in our home every Christmas, or the way that we in America celebrate Christmas, And the way that we go about it these days, I wonder if God feels forgotten. If he feels forgotten in all of our celebrations, in all of our decorations all over the house, with our trees lit up. How many of you got your trees lit up? We don't. Y'all do. That's good. Um, We'll get that up. You know, we have our houses decorated. We got that done. And we stand back and we look at all that we've done to prepare for Christmas. And do we have to ask ourselves, where's Jesus? I mean, is he just tucked away on the mantle with a a nice little cute manger scene or on the table uh, somewhere? Is he just displayed on the mantle? In our schools, kids have winter breaks now instead of Christmas for fear of offending someone. Nativity scenes have been banned from Christmas displays on on government property because we don't want to offend someone. It's an offense anymore to say Merry Christmas as you leave the store from your shopping. And so I think it's very, very important for us as believers. I, I think it's very, very important. After all, it's never been the school's responsibility to teach our kids about Jesus. It's never been the government's responsibility to teach our children and our families about Christmas. It's never been their responsibility to be the presence of Jesus in our world. And so I think it's more important than ever in our lives, in the time that we live in, for you and I to make it clear in our homes the reason we celebrate this season. That any time in history, it's more important that it's clear in our homes the reason for the season that we are celebrating now. You see, the greatest present that we can give to our children, our family, and our friends is by sharing with them the presence of Jesus. You see, Jesus lives in our hearts as we're believers today. If you know Jesus Christ and you have a personal relationship with him, his presence lives in your heart. 
And the greatest gift that we can give anyone this Christmas season is sharing and living out the presence of Jesus Christ to those in our sphere of influence. And so as we enter this Christmas season, if we're going to celebrate Christmas, let's make it about Jesus. Let's make it about Jesus and his presence in our hearts. Now, I'm not saying we shouldn't have the meals. I'm not saying we shouldn't have the homemade cookies. I'm not saying we shouldn't fix the turkey or the ham and open all those presents. But let's make it more about the presence of God in our hearts than we make it about the presence under our tree. I challenge us. I challenge the Marston family to make it more about his presence in our lives as we communicate to our world who Christ is. You see, we can give presents that will soon be lost or forgotten. Or we can share the presence of Jesus, which is the present, a present that will last throughout all eternity. So I would challenge us that this year as we gather around the tree, as we gather around the table, as we have our Christmas parties and we invite our neighbors in, as we have our family get-togethers, why not take out the Bible? Why not take out the Bible and tell them the old, old story? Why don't we take that responsibility in our homes and in our communities and when we invite our friends into our home to tell the old, old story, to tell the story of Jesus' birth and how the angels sang glory to God on the highest and peace and goodwill to all. Let's make sure that our families celebrate the birth of Christ and his coming into the world as a babe to become the savior of all mankind. There is nothing more life-changing, I believe, in the life of a child, in the life of a family, than for the father or the mother, if it need be, to open the story, the old, old story, and for make sure that our children know in the midst of all the fun and all the celebration, all the festive lights and all that we do, that we do this because Jesus lives and reigns in our hearts. Yes, thank you for that. But here's something important to remember. The cradle without the cross means nothing. The cradle without the cross means nothing. And when we're telling that story, that old, old story, don't forget to tell them that this babe, this Christ, grew up to be a man who died on a cross so that you and I could be forgiven of all of our sins and celebrate Christmas, knowing that we have shared the presence of Jesus with people around us. You see, we must remember what makes Christmas so, so special is not his birth, but his presence and death on the cross. You see, Jesus never told us, never once said to us to celebrate his birth, but we do it. We celebrate it big and grand. But he did tell us to remember his death. So the cradle without the cross, the story's not complete. And I, and I just encourage you, moms and dads, and grandmoms and granddads, whoever, to open up the old, old story this Christmas and share and talk about the presence of God in your life. Watch this. 
Merry Christmas and happy gifts. The anticipation builds with each rip of the paper. You think, hopefully it's something on my list. So you check the weight, the size, the shape, even shake it. Then you open it. Ugh, oh. <laughs> and the role for best actor while opening a gift he didn't like goes to me. You do the best you can when opening it up to show them you love it. They say, you need a gift receipt? You say, no, <laughs> no, uh, I, well, sure, <laughs> just, just in case. Then there's gifts from people that try to send a message with their present. You're fat, your house smells, and you do too? You have five heads? How about gifts from grandma? She's tried hard year after year, but usually ends up with something I never use, want, or desire. And then this year. A sweater turtleneck combo. Maybe grandma won't notice if I return this. I mean, it's pretty hideous. But then it hit me. Just as I was about to head back and return the ugly sweater, I was reminded of a gift that grandma gave me years ago that cannot ever be returned at Christmas or any day. I remember she said, you may not want it, need it, believe in it, desire it. It's actually a free gift. Yep, you won't have to pay for it, work for it, or even be embarrassed by opening it up, let alone return it because it can never be returned. You see, God sent the greatest gift of all time when he sent his son Jesus to earth one Christmas morning. And Jesus is the gift of unconditional love that's worth keeping. Hey, it's not such an ugly sweater when you know you're loved. Which brings us to point number two is that we can share the presence of your love. That you, can, that you can share the presence of your love with your family and your friends and your co-workers. You see, now if you were able to ask your children what they would rather have for Christmas. Say to your child today when you go home, say, son, would you rather have an iPhone or spend an hour with me? <laughs> what do you think they'll say? iPhone. Hands down. They say an iPhone, or they'll say this greatest, latest toy or gadget. But 20 years from now, the thing that will mean the most to them is not that iPhone, because they'll have some kind of other phone by then, but it will be the time that you spent with them. That's what they'll remember. They'll remember your presence with them, and not so much your presence to them. And we can give our presence, we can show our love the presence of our love by giving them, first of all, by giving them your attention. One of the hardest but most effective ways that we can show our presence, the love of our presence, the love, whew, the presence of our love in our relationships with our children or anybody else is to listen. You know, it's so easy for us as parents to lay down the law. You're going to do it this way. You're going to do it that way. And, or, or to set them straight or let them know they're out of line. But as parents, we struggle to take time to listen, to, to listen to them, to pay attention to them, you know, to listen to them when they need us to. You know, we need to listen to their stories. You know, I, I, we, we need to listen to their thoughts, their opinions, their hurts. And we also need to watch them when they perform, when they do their, the things that they do, they need us to come and watch. You see, our kids need our attention no matter how old they are. No matter how old they are. If you have adult children, they still need your attention. You know, I, I'm thinking about uh, a, a purchase in my life, and, and I called my dad up the other day, and I said, what do you think? I still want my dad's approval. I'm thinking, what does it matter? 
But it does matter to me what he thinks. And, 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 and children, it, our adult children, it matters to them what we think. For our children, it matters that we show them our approval, our attention. So we can do that by giving them our attention. Our kids need our attention. Here's something I know for sure. If we don't give them our attention, one day they'll get it from someone else, and it may be that someone else you don't want giving them their attention. Another way we can show our presence is to show them our love. You can show them your love. You, you, you can let them know that you love them, and you can show them your love for God. You can show them your love for your spouse. You can show them uh, your love for your neighbor, your coworker. Men, it's been said that the greatest present that we can give our children is to love their mother. The greatest gift parents that we can give each other or give our children is showing our love for their mother or their father. And, and I would do that and I would add to that whether you're married to that mother or that father or not. You know, a, a lot of you are, come from homes that have been divided by divorce. And I can say to you the greatest gift that you can give is quit fighting with your ex-spouse and lay down your arms and show love and respect for that child's mother or for that child's father. There is no greater gift if you're living in that type of situation than to show them that you love and care for that, uh, for that mother or that father that's not living in the home any longer. Let your children know that as parents, you love each other and, and that you love them. Christmas is about the love of God. And so let's make certain that our children, our spouse, our friends, our co-workers experience the love of Jesus this Christmas. And you can also share the presence of your love by giving them your approval. You know, we're quick as parents noticing when our kids mess up. You know, what they need most is our approval when they do the right things. You know, we, we're so, it's so easy to see when our kids mess up. And I think we ought to be on the lookout and to, and to celebrate with them and, and to affirm them and encourage them when they do something right. And they do a lot of right things. But we, we're not so quick to tell them what they do right, but we're really quick to tell them what they do wrong. They need our encouragement. They need to hear a whole lot of attaboys and attagirls. You know, I was at a swim meet. Uh, our granddaughter swims, and uh, she was at. We were at a swim meet in Richmond last weekend, and and uh, this little guy. I watched this little guy swim, and man, he swam his heart out. He swam as fast as he could. He didn't win the race, but he did really well. And his dad was standing at the corner of the pool when he got out, and this little guy walked down, and his dad grabbed him. He said, "Way to go, son! At a boy!" And I got to tell you, that son lit up like he'd got, he'd won the Olympics. That attaboy meant more to him than anything you could have given him that day. And I just think our children need to hear more attaboys, attagirls. You did a great job. I am so proud of you. You know, I grew up, I grew up without my father in my home. And it almost makes me cry every time I see that happen. There's nothing a son needs from a father more than to hear them say, attaboy. Son, I am proud of you. I'm proud of you. And I think if we do a whole lot more attaboys and attagirls, we'd have a whole lot less discipline going on in our homes 
because our kids do a lot of things that deserve an attaboy or an girl. And we can show the presence of our love when we encourage them and let them know how proud we are of them. I'll tell you, if, you're, if you've never heard a father say, I'm proud of you, it's something that sticks with you all your life. Sticks with you all your life. And I got to tell you, fathers, you have the greatest opportunity right now to kneel down in front of your child, your son, your daughter, and say, Atta girl, Atta boy, I'm so proud of you. I don't think there's nothing expresses love and appreciation more than a little bit of Atta boys. And I'm just saying that because, man, it does. It feels good. Even with somebody, I have to be careful that I don't go searching for Atta boys from others. So let's just do some attaboys, okay? Some attagirls. There's a story about um, Marjorie Talcott was married and had one child during the Great Depression. And the family managed to scrape their way through, but as Christmas approached one year, uh, Marjorie and her husband were disappointed that they would not be able to buy any presents for their child that year. And a week before Christmas, they went to their six-year-old son, Pete, and they said to him that there would be no store-bought Christmas presents this Christmas. But the father said, but I'll tell you what we can do. We can make pictures of the presents we'd like to give each other. That's a pretty good idea, isn't it? And that was a busy week. Marjorie and her husband set to, out to work, and Christmas Day arrived, and the family got up early to uh, find their little skimpy Christmas tree uh, made uh, magnificent by the pictures, the picture presents that had adorned it. And there was luxury uh, beyond imagination. There was pictures of a black limousine and a speedboat for her dad and a diamond bracelet and a fur, a fur coat for her mom, a camping tent and a swimming pool for Pete. And then Pete pulled out his present. It was a crayon drawing of a man, of a woman, and a child with their arms around each other, laughing. And under the picture was just one word, us. Years later, Marjorie writes that the richest, most satisfying Christmas they ever had was that year. It took a present, present-less Christmas to remind them that the greatest present that they could offer was themselves, was their presence. See, the greatest present that Christ offers us not only at Christmas, but throughout the year, is his presence in our life. That's the greatest gift that God could ever offer us was that you and I could be in relationship with Jesus Christ. That we could, we could not just know God or know about God, but we can know God and we can experience his presence. And that's what Christmas is all about. That God, with skin on, moved into our neighborhoods moved into our lives. This Christmas, I want to challenge us. Will you, will you give your children your presents? Will you not only give your children presents, but will you share his presence with your family? Will you commit in your heart to give your presents to your children? Not only on Christmas Day or Christmas Eve or during the holidays, but all year long. Let's give them the presence of the Lord and the presence of our love. 
You see, these are truly great presents which will be with them throughout all of their lives. You see, Christmas season really is all about his presence. It's not, a, it, it's not about the presence we give or receive. It's about the presence of God and family that we experience. You know, as I was preparing this message and thinking about this whole thing of presence and and there's a lot of different ways I could go with that. I, I started thinking about that, and, I, and the thought occurred to me. It's hard to share the presence of Jesus and the presence of ourself if we're not experiencing his presence personally and on a daily basis. You see, you know, especially at Christmas, we often say God's presence, his presence is more important than presence. You know, you probably thought that or said that. You know, you probably thought, you know what, I'd rather have God's presence than I would more presence. But the amount of time and effort that we spend on shopping and, and for presents and wrapping and picking just the right thing says something otherwise. It says to me that maybe we put more importance on the presence than we do his presence in our hearts and in our lives. You know, in certain parts of the world, people give Christmas gifts on December 6th. So by doing that, they have the rest of the month to focus on Jesus. Sounds like a good idea. And the celebration of the wonder of his birth. You see, God's perfect presence to us is the wonder of his birth. When we say we want God's presence more than presence, are we being totally honest with ourselves? Are you being totally honest? Can you honestly say in your heart today as a believer that you would, you would desire God's presence more than you would a tree full of presents? And I'm not saying we shouldn't give presents. But when the presents become more important than his presence in our lives, then really we've got Christmas all out of whack. We're missing the point of Christmas. And when our children think that it's all about Santa Claus and it's all about the gifts that he's going to bring, and, and, I, and I love celebrating that. I love to see a child on Christmas morning. But when we make it all about that and we don't save room or make room to share the presence of Jesus, then something's really missing in our lives. Often we want presents from God, really, more than we want God. I mean, we think about our, our prayers, and we're often asking God to say, God, we want good health, we want wealth, we want knowledge, we want a better job, we want our marriages to be better, we want our kids to get in line, we want a better place to live. And God may want to give us those things, but we can't have them apart from his presence. We can't ask God for his presence and not live in his presence. The Bible says, David said, in your presence, O God, is the fullness of joy. You see, presents make us happy for a time. Earthly presents from God make us happy temporarily. But real joy comes only when we are in a relationship with Jesus and as we remain in his presence daily. So I just want to encourage us, 
our family, your family. Please don't let Christmas be just another year of presents. Just another year to see who can buy the most. Or getting that, spending all that time on just that perfect Christmas gift. Don't let Christmas be another year of going to visit family and laughing and going to holiday parties. And don't just make it another year of overeating and, and unwrapping presents, attending Christmas Eve services, or listening to more Christmas music than you can even stomach. May this be a year. I just want to challenge us. And if one person accepts this challenge besides me, but may, may this year be the year that we can truly say, all I want for Christmas is his presence. And seek that more than you seek presence. Seek him this Christmas. Share the old, old story. I, did, I read an article this week. It said, pastors, maybe you ought to share the story with yourself this year. We went down to the Bethlehem walk. And I went with a family that snuck me in. And I won't mention their name. But... Just kidding, Paul. <laughs> but, I, you know, as I was walking through those streets, it's really good. If you could go to it, it's really, really good. It's down in close to a short pump. But, uh, you know, we become so accustomed to the story. Where we read the story and it just, it just, you know, it just don't have the same meaning. There's something about that story that night that touched my heart again. And I, and I would just encourage us to read that old, old story again and read it to ourselves before we read it to our family. And maybe you need to recommit your life. Maybe you need to recommit your life this year to living in God's presence. I'm starting a new series at the beginning of the year called First. It's going to be called First. And I want to challenge us. We have a revival coming in January. We have an old-fashioned evangelist coming in January. We're going to have a, we're just, I just, we're just going to start the year off and we're going to put God first. And I want to try to allow God to challenge us all year to keep him first. And what a greater time, greater time than right now at this Christmas time for you and I to commit today to make his presence the most important thing, the most important possession, the most important gift that we have in our life is to make that commitment today to say, God, you know what? I'm done with this and I'm going to relax in your presence. Can I challenge you today? To make his presence in your life and in the lives of your children more important than the presence we buy them. May this be a year that we truly say all I want for Christmas is his presence. And as his presence changes your life, allow his presence to change the lives of your family, the lives of, the, of your neighbors, our community. In our world, I challenge you to make him first, to put him first, and allow him to be Lord of your life, and start today, in this Christmas season, okay? Okay? One? Okay? A couple. Good. Okay. Let's pray. 
Father, we thank you today for your presence here right now. I thank you for every person that's gathered here, from the youngest to the oldest, our students, our children. Father, those online today, those that are out in the cafe. Father, I just pray that we will stop for a moment and allow you, allow your presence to fill our hearts to overflowing. Lord, may we once again share the old, old story of your love for us. Lord, I just want to challenge us this morning to live our lives in such a way that it doesn't matter what the schools do, it doesn't matter what the government does, it doesn't matter what department stores do, but God, we'll live our lives in such a way that your presence will radiate throughout those hallways that we walk in in the schools, to those buildings, the government buildings, and Lord, that our, your radiance will walk through the office because you're walking with us, that your presence, presence is so real that people will be drawn to you. And Lord, it doesn't matter what the media reports, it doesn't matter. And I challenge you, Lord, challenge me. You've already challenged me, Lord. And I, I just pray, Lord, that you would just do a new work in our lives today. Lord, that we would be done with the way the world dictates to us to live and to celebrate. And we'll celebrate with our family in the presence of Jesus. That we'll share the gospel good news with our co-workers, with our extended families, with those that will come to our house. If you've never experienced the presence of Jesus in your life, maybe you're here today and you know God, know about God, but you really don't know God. You see, religion knows about God. And sometimes we know, we know things about God or we've heard things about God, heard things about God that's kept us from wanting to know God. But knowing God is being in a relationship with him where we know and we experience his presence in the morning and at night when we lay our head on the bed, the pillow to go to sleep. If you've never experienced God's presence, will you pray this prayer with me this morning? Just pray it like you mean it, okay? You don't have to pray it out loud. Just pray this prayer. Jesus, I believe, just pray, Jesus, I believe that you were born in a manger and that you died on a cross for my sins. Jesus, I confess to you this morning that I have sinned and I'm sorry. Will you please forgive me? Jesus, I invite you into my heart right now to be my Savior. I invite you into my heart right now to be my Savior. Then you thank him. Thank you, Jesus, for forgiving me. Thank you, Jesus, for being my Savior. Father, we want to enjoy your presence as we close out our time together.
Can we all just stand and worship together? This is a great, great song. If you receive Christ today, we invite you to come forward after the service or during this song and talk to Bobby. He has one of these little, we call them salvation bands that we'd like to share with you. It tells the old, old story of Jesus and his love for us. We'd like to share that with you if you receive Christ today. If you'd just like to come and pray and commit your life to Christ and make him first to enjoy his presence, you can do that. You just worship and however God leads you. Sure, love you guys. Appreciate you today. So let's worship together.